Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about the important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ and tissue donation and transplantation. We are welcoming back Susanna Morton. She's been one of Lopez community educators for over 15 years. And knowing her all these years, I've witnessed her passion for helping others. We're going to continue our conversation about the importance of community education, but specifically on some of the myths and misconceptions. Welcome back, Susanna, to the Connected by Life podcast. So in the first episode, we talked about you know, really your experience and the education that you provide to to LOPA, to the community and everything else. But what I'd like to get into today is really talking about a lot of the questions that are asked in the community about organ and tissue donation. So can you give us some examples of those questions that you typically get? Sure, I can. And I will say too, you know, one thing I learned early on in my career at LOPA, and actually, I don't, you know, if you listen to the first episode and you hear about kind of how I um, learned about LOPA and the world of donation, that donor mom I was telling you about actually works for LOPA and was working for LOPA then as well. But she is who trained me kind of in doing what I do. And, you know, it, the questions we get in the community about donation and, you know, Sean Paul, it's even not so much, there, there are questions, but it's also just statements like, well, my mom told me this, or my dad told me this, or I saw this on a movie or, you know, those kinds of things. So it's even addressing, um, you know, a lot of those myths and misconceptions about donation. And, um, you know, when we, when we, when I started learning how to do that and how to answer those questions, you know, she made a very good point to say, I learned that when we're giving a presentation in the community, we don't always bring up those myths and misconceptions um, because sometimes those people don't even know about that. You know, they don't have a negative view. So you're planting the seed almost. Correct. A negative view of donation. And so mm-hmm. I don't know why I feel that's important to share. But, you know, I thought that was a good perspective to have is that, you know, just wait for the questions or wait for the statements as opposed to, well, have you ever heard this or have you ever heard that? Because, again, you're you're planting a seed that may not have already been there. but I'll tell you the first, and and this is the most common if you talk to any other educator throughout the the country or even, you know, just Googling donation in general, the most common myth and misconception about donation is one of two things. You hear the comment, well, I heard that if I'm a registered donor, you know, they're not going to try as hard to save my life. Mm -hmm. You know, if they know that I'm a donor, they're just going to let me die. And what's funny is on the whole complete opposite end of the spectrum, we also hear, well, I've heard that if I'm a registered donor, they're going to keep me alive so they can take my organs. So two very contradicting, you know, statements. And so, you know, this is, you know, how I explain that. And I know the majority of our audience here, um, or, you know, we do target your, you know, your audience is physicians, but when talking about donation, obviously we know that people, emergency medical professionals, you know, in the field or in a hospital, you know, their job is to save someone's life, you know, not to find organ donors. That's what I tell people. And clinically, you know, what I say to answer that first question, you know, they're not going to try as hard to save my life. Clinically, what I tell them is if, if they don't actually try to save your life, you can't become an organ donor anyway. 
And then on the other side, when we hear, well, I've heard they keep me alive, you know, people automatically just relate, you know, because we all know for our donors, they have to be on a ventilator in a hospital. And so when people in the community who are not clinical think about a vent, they just automatically think, well, that ventilator is keeping this patient alive. You know, it's even though they've been clinically um, declared brain dead, you know, this vent is not necessarily keeping them alive. And so we have to explain, you know, what the vent has done is they were they were put on the ventilator in an effort to save their life. You know, um, that was part of those life-saving measures. And because that happened, you know, these organs are viable and suitable to potentially be transplanted. And so um, that's kind of how we answer and kind of bust that myth, I guess, answer those questions and bust that myth. And especially when we're talking to older audiences, we do go into all the all of the clinical information about, I, I say all of it, not the nitty gritty, but, you know, just the fact that you have to die in a hospital and be on a ventilator and you have to be declared in a hospital and those kinds of things. That's kind of how we address those. Another thing we hear a lot is, um, well, I want to have an open casket funeral, so I can't be an organ donor. Well, that's not the case. What I tell people is you've probably been to a funeral for someone who was an organ and tissue donor and you never, you may not have even known it. You know, if the family wasn't um, vocal about it or sharing that with people yet, there is no disfigurement to the body. Our technicians and our, our coordinators who do these organ and tissue recoveries take pride in honoring our heroes and making sure that um, everything is done um, in a beautiful way. And, you know, there's no visible scarring or, you know, any kind of disfigurement um, to the body, you know, so it doesn't really affect your funeral or whether or not you want to be cremated. Of course, we let families know if they are an organ donor, you know, we have to find recipients and we have to place these organs and we have to transport these organs. So the only way it could necessarily affect funeral arrangements um, is it may push it back in time a little bit. You know, it may take a little bit longer, but families know that, you know, ahead of time. From the physician's perspective, the way that it was presented to me is that, you know, they want to know really like why do families say no to donation when it's an opportunity mm -hmm. because they've seen how it affects these families that have chosen to, you know, it gives them that hope, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change the experience that they had of losing that person, but how they move through that, that grief journey. So, you know, they've talked about how it's so important for this education to take place because even when they do know, when they're hearing the information about the death, it's so difficult to hear anything else, right? much less if you've never talked about these decisions before. Right. And, you know, I would say, too, honestly, you know, it's like you're saying in the midst of all of that, you know, it, it's they're not even thinking, you know, I mean, it's just going through the motions and what happens next. And, um, you know, what we tell a lot of people in the community and, you know, I would tell this, you know, to a physician too, is that, you know, a lot of times when these families are coming in, I don't even know that they're even thinking about all of these things. I mean, these are things that definitely could have, um, affected them, you know, having a conversation about donation with their family or not having a conversation, you know, I mean, you know, it could affect on, you know, the front end of them not having a conversation. But, oh, you know, we tell people in the community all the time when a family says no to donation, adamant about saying no to donation. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we find and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you're in the hospitals more than I am. But, you know, a lot of times they're not saying no to donation. They're saying no to the death, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and what I tell people is, you know, I have never met a donor family who regretted their decision ever. I have never met one donor family, talked to one donor family in 15 years 
that regretted the decision of saying yes. However, I have talked to several families over the years who had the opportunity to say yes to donation and didn't just because they didn't understand it or, you know, they didn't know enough about it. We have a donor mom who's been with us for, gosh, over 15 years. I think it even made 17, 18 years this year. And she said, you know, they said no to tissue and corneas because they knew nothing about it, you know, and she said, had I known what I know now, you know, we would have said yes to everything, you know? And so, you know, I think again, it all goes back to a lack of education and what people know you know, um, and, and again, all of those myths and misconceptions in some ways affecting, um, you know, those decisions, but it's really about the conversation being had well before any family ever has to make this decision, you know? Well, and, and also with that, Suzanne, if you could speak on too, so when someone says yes to donation, they've registered and how important it is to have that conversation so that it takes the responsibility off of the family when they're experiencing yes. that loss. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I tell people just as important as registering your intent to be an organ and tissue donor is, is having that discussion with your family because you're not going to be able to talk to your family when they're, you know, faced with making that decision. And so, you know, just like you said, you know, we've had families tell us it wasn't a decision that we had to make because we already knew what they wanted, you know, and we, I mean, we, we honored their decision, you know, and so I do think, um, you know, again, those conversations, hey, you know, just, just remember, I'm a registered donor, you know, and it's not even a conversation you have to have over and over, you know, I think it's kind of a one and done unless, you know, you have a forgetful spouse like me who forgets the you know, a lot of things all the time, but I will say this too. That's really not something I think people are going to forget. You know, you know what your loved one wants and, um, and you know, if you're ever faced with making that decision and the hard part is, you know, when our families are faced with making that decision, it's, you know, it's also, you know, something that's happened very instantly, very tragically, you know, it's not a day they ever thought they were going to go through or experience. And so, already knowing what your loved one wants, you know, is one less thing, you know, you have to worry about or you have to, you know, think about. Um, so, you know, we we do tell, you know, in the community, those are all things, you know, when we're presenting and talking to our community about donation, those are all things that we do share. I'm hoping that the audience we're talking to is going to take all of that information back. Well, I was going to ask you, because of the audience that we're speaking to and then is listening to us, which we're grateful for, what would you say as far as part of the education, the community, how they impact these families, like the physicians in the healthcare, how do they impact these families, even though, you know, the, the education in the community before, you know, I'd like to know, just to remind them about the difference that they make. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have so many families, donor families, you know, especially who, when they're sharing their stories in the community, talk about the gentleness of nurses and physicians and, you know, the people that were caring for their loved one in the hospital and, you know, never doubting that they were doing everything they can to save their loved one's life. Even having been approached by donation, there was never a doubt. Let's say Lopa had already approached this family. They still never had a doubt that this hospital, that these physicians were taking care of their, you know, their loved one and doing everything they can to try to save their life. And it's so important to them, you know, to know that 
And I mean, I know for me, even as a parent or a spouse, anytime my physician or my child's physician is on board or I need help making this decision and they're encouraging or approach it with a gentle way, you know, I know a lot of these families may go to the physician and say, you know, hey, what what's your opinion? How do you feel about this? That weighs heavy, you know, on that decision. But I do know that um, our families are so grateful for the care that they do receive and sharing that with our community as well. Well, hospital education and community education, they really go hand in hand as much as the importance of what we do in the hospitals combined with the community education. I think it, it really works well so that we can continue to support these families and, and you know, fulfill these wishes of an individual who has chosen to be a donor. And one thing else I'd like to speak on, because you were talking about the impact that the staff makes, is that recently there was a physician that it was a very vulnerable statement, because I think that sometimes people feel that, I don't want to say that they don't care, but that, you know, it's a job, but there's a lot of emotions, and it is recognizing the loss that they experienced too. And this physician said how devastating it was recently to have lost a, a young person to this massive in, in, uh, injury. I'm sorry. And they became a donor. And, and, and with that, he was so, I guess it was like healing for him knowing that this family had something that good that came out of it. Um, you know, it's, it's never going to be replaced, and it's something that they're always going to grieve. But, um, it helped. It really helped him heal as well. And so I, I really I compliment you and all the community educators because this is such an important topic, you know, being able to to reach out to these families all over and reach them where they need. And, uh, you know, prior to to having this um, unfortunate experience in the hospital. So thank you for all that you all do. Well, thank you, Sean Paul. And you made note you just said something very important that we it's not just me. We do have, I believe now, seven or eight. I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head, but um, I could name every single one of them. Um, incredible community educators throughout the state um, who do the same thing I do in all of our different areas. I mean, we couldn't educate our state without, you know, um, those incredible ladies. And so um, thank you for allowing us to share a little bit about what we do. No, on the absolutely. And I would like to end with this because... Although this is y'all's career and passion and everything that you all do, yes. I like to encourage everyone that we're all community educators. Yes, absolutely. Because all these conversations, your experience with donation or death or whatever, your knowledge has the power to impact others. So just always remember that you have the power to to uh, reach others. And so continue uh, continue making that difference. So thank you. Thanks Paul. again for being on here. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I want to thank Susanna for being our guest and sharing her expertise. And I'd also like to thank you for listening and being someone that cares about organ, eye, and tissue donation. Remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. Remember, you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.